Hello, and welcome to Talking Eye Pinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. A year ago today, I published an episode titled Hamilton Crowned King of Formula One. So why kneel for a knighthood? On December 18, 2020. Lewis Hamilton had just won his seventh world championship, which tied the seemingly immortal record set by the great Michael Schumacher. For me, though, that was crowning achievement enough to make him the greatest of all time. I'll explain why later. But his dominance in Formula One racing was such that everyone thought Hamilton winning his eighth championship this year would be a mere formality. Except that a funny thing happened on the way to his coronation on Sunday. I'll spare you the, uh, greasy details. <laughs> Especially as I suspect most of you are not fans of this sport. Suffice it to know that upstart Max Verstappen of Team Red Bull threatened to dethrone Hamilton of Team Mercedes in thrilling and suspenseful fashion from the very first to the very last of this 22-race season. In fact, the suspense was such that they entered the final race on Sunday in Abu Dhabi tied with 369.5 F1 points each, which set up the winner-takes-all showdown for this year's World Championship. But from the start of this race, it looked like the gods had restored the natural order of things, because even though Verstappen started from the pole position, which gave him considerable advantage to lead from start to finish, Hamilton snatched it away before the first turn on the first lap. Then, as Verstappen was supposed to do, it was Hamilton who began cruising to victory, until the very last lap. Because that's when the devil, in the guise of the race director, intervened. His mischief actually stemmed from a crash that occurred on lap 53 which, given the time it was taking to clean up, meant this 58-lap race should have ended under caution, behind the safety car. Now bear in mind that Hamilton was leading Verstappen by an insurmountable 12 seconds when this crash occurred, so nobody could have had any issue if Hamilton had been declared the winner under those circumstances. That, of course, would have earned him his record-setting eighth world championship, too. But for some, 
That simply would not do. Instead, Verstappen's team prevailed upon the race director, not only to hurry and clean up the crash, because, and I quote, we need only one racing lap, end quote, but also to clear the five cars that were between Verstappen and Hamilton out of the way. In other words, they wanted not just to wipe away Hamilton's 12-second lead, but to relieve Verstappen of the challenge of having to pass other cars to get on his tail to boot. <laughs> Unfriggin' believable. Meanwhile, Verstappen's team knew he had fresher tyres, having pitted during the more recent safety laps. So they knew that, in the one-lap race they were scheming for, this was tantamount to giving Verstappen an insurmountable head start. Manipulating the race in Verstappen's favour like this was making a mockery of the daring and skill required to excel in car racing. But his team clearly couldn't care less. Of course, Hamilton is all too familiar with this kind of unfairness, having navigated through a system that now sees him competing as the only black in this worldwide sport. Which is why, as Verstappen whizzed by him, on that final lap to his Pyrrhic victory, Hamilton protested haplessly, and I quote, this has been manipulated, man. End quote. And so it was. Uh, mind you, just as Tiger Woods is the best thing that has ever happened to golf, Lewis Hamilton is the best thing that has ever happened to Formula One. Therefore, you might wonder why a race director would want to do anything to sabotage his crowning glory. But, with all due respect to Woods, the way many old whites resented and reacted to Willie Mays breaking Babe Ruth's home run record in baseball might be more instructive. Indeed, I need only point out how F1 grandees, like 91-year-old Bernie Ecclestone, used to sing Hamilton's praises, but now go out of their way to denounce him. In dotage veritas? <laughs> Whatever the case, there is no denying that this outcome had a lot to do with hollow men, too blinded by racism to see Hamilton, as the undisputed champion in their sport. But there is also no denying the correlation between Hamilton forcing them to redress institutional racism in Formula One and the antipathy so many of them now have toward him. As some of you may know, Hamilton prevailed upon fellow drivers to take the knee before races in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, 
but he also prevailed upon F1 bosses to diversify their hiring practices and mentoring programs. But he might have taken his social activism too far when he publicly rebuked F1 bosses for putting money before fans by staging a farcical two-lap race for the Belgium Grand Prix on August 29. They reportedly did so just to avoid having to issue refunds for cancelling due to inclement weather. You can bet the F1 bosses resented being called out like that, which is why they probably welcomed and rejoiced in Hamilton's misfortune on Sunday. Frankly, I wish Team Mercedes had fought a very public appeal, because the system clearly conspired to hold Hamilton back and bring Verstappen forward to victory. On the other hand, it speaks volumes that Hamilton took this brazen and most consequential case of systemic unfairness like an exemplary sportsman, making a public show, as he did, of congratulating Verstappen with a handshake and embrace after the race. Because Verstappen is notorious for taking even perceived slights like a spoiled brat. So just imagine his reaction if their positions during the race and after the checkered flag were reversed. Ironically, though, a video on Formula One's own website the day after showed who the other racers believe is this season's real world champion. Because it featured four-time champion Sebastian Vettel leading them as they waited their turn to hug Hamilton and convey to him in an unmistakable way that they believe he was robbed. I, I assure you, no video exists of them lining up to congratulate Verstappen. In fact, I suspect those drivers now fear that the reputational damage Verstappen and his team inflicted on this sport to win their first world championship is irreparable. Even worse, their arrogance lack of remorse and ultimate reward, suggest they will not be changing their damaging antics any time soon. This is why I think the time has come for the 36-year-old Hamilton to retire. The way this season played out was a bad omen. I'm afraid it was now or never for that eighth championship. Granted, this would mean ending up tied with Schumacher for the most world championships. But add to that Hamilton's record setting 103 career wins and nobody can deny 
that he's the greatest of all time. Schumacher is second with 91 wins on the Grand Prix circuit. The aforementioned Vettel is a distant third with 53. Not to mention that Hamilton has already rewritten the F1 record book in a long list of other categories too, including most pole positions, most points, most podium finishes, and as the only driver to win a race in every season he competed. So he would be well advised to leave it now to equally brash drivers like 22-year-old Lando Norris of Team McLaren, 23-year-old George Russell of Team Williams, and 24-year-old Charles Leclerc of Team Ferrari to humble and tame the far too often reckless 24-year-old Max Verstappen of Team Red Bull. As it happens, it would seem no less a person than the Queen thinks the time has come for Hamilton to retire too. Because only that explains the palace rushing to crown his career by announcing her intent to officially knight him at Windsor Castle on Wednesday. Which is why I shall end where I started, by citing the episode I published a year ago today, namely, Hamilton crowned King of Formula One. So why kneel for a knighthood? I cite it because I feel compelled to urge you to listen to that one too. It explains why seeing Hamilton win all those championships while championing diversity in his sport filled me with so much pride. But why seeing him kneel to be knighted not even by the Queen, but by her stand-in, Prince Charles, wounded that pride so mortally. That's it. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening and... Until the next Talking Eye Pinions, goodbye.